Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Second Timothy first and in Second Corinthians chapter nine. And we'll look at these uh, these scriptures here as our first two scriptures here in just a minute. Now, we're teaching on finances, so the emphasis is, is finances and blessing, material blessing on our life. What does God want for us? Well, He wants you to prosper. He paid the price for you to prosper just like He paid the price for you to not have to go to hell, but to go to heaven. He paid the price for your healing to be complete. Uh, you, you, you might be dealing with symptoms. We have our Tuesday night healing school. We'll pray for the sick tonight if God tells me to or something comes up in my spirit. But right now we're talking about finances. And we want to do a good thorough job of this. I do. And I have uh, several things I'm going to be talking about tonight. Jesus was not poor. Then we're going to talk about offering sometime real soon. We're going to be talking about uh, taking care of your man of God. We're going to be talking about special projects. We're going to be talking about uh, the those that have a ministry of giving. Hallelujah. That's people that can make a lot of money that are called to do that to fund the vision of men and women of God. And other people can do their part, but sometimes there's a special anointing on some people to make money, and they help finance some things uh, supernaturally. So we're talking tonight about was Jesus poor. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Now I said I'm going to get going a little quicker as we move through this, but at least write the verses down, chapters and verses. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study, study to show yourself approved unto God. So tonight's going to be kind of a little study we're doing. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, we can see immediately if we don't study and we don't get it right, to be approved of God in our study, then you could wrongly divide the Word of God. See, I don't know, you know, how you th- were brought up or what you thought about Jesus, but I know for me in my uh, in de- denominational church, I had an image. Some of it was based on pictures I saw at the church of Jesus. Almost all of them were incorrect. Other denominations have other images they put up of Jesus that are incorrect. He's not on the cross now. He's been raised from the dead. <laughs> I mean, we get up and sing things that sounded encouraging sometimes, but we weren't living it and taught it. And one of those things was Jesus somehow just barely got along, just kind of barely made it to the cross. And like, you know, the guys that followed him were a bunch of idiots and, and people that didn't have much sense, didn't have much money. And I've studied all this out over these 40 years, found out a lot of them were very wealthy. A lot of his converts were very wealthy, not all of them. Some of them were very poor, but they became wealthy. So pay attention to me tonight as we're teaching, would you please? We're studying to find out about Jesus. Was he poor or not? What did he have? What didn't he have? Now you realize he lived 2,000 years ago on this planet. He's lived through eternity, but he came to this earth 2,000 years ago. And people want to compare, well, you know, he rode a donkey or whatever. Yeah, but that was the best transportation of the day, those kind of animals. Don't be silly. If we go to rocket ships in the next thousand years, if, we, if it lasts that long, then he would have been riding in a rocket ship. Get your thinking around what I'm saying here. When he came, that period he was in, that he, you're going to see he had the best, he did the best, and he always had finances to take care of things. You know, one day they said, don't you pay taxes? He said, yeah. You know, Peter, go down to the river and fish. And he went down and caught a fish, and he had enough money in the fish's mouth to pay for his taxes. I'd say that's pretty supernatural. He didn't say he didn't have it with the treasure. He's just showing another way that God could provide a fish. I wonder if some of you are my fish. I wonder if you're somebody else's fish that's going to help in some area of their life. It's not about me. I'm just talking to you here. We're studying to show ourselves approved. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. I may have told you 9, but it's chapter 8 and verse 9. And this church here was in great poverty, yet they just, uh, they just they began to give abundantly, even out of their poverty. See, sometimes people are thinking, well, when people have something, we'll teach this. We teach it because it's the Bible, regardless of what you have. I know you're not going to have any more if you don't do it God's way. 
where you can have it and keep it and use it and it, it accelerate. How many are listening? 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Now you go, and I encourage you to go back and read through these chapters later. For you know, verse 9, you know the grace or ability of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, and notice he was rich. He's not talking about when he was in heaven. He's talking about on this planet. Yet for your sakes he became poor. When did he become poor? When he went to the cross. The Bible says they couldn't take his life from him. He gave his life. We're going to look at practical things during his lifetime here. At that moment he became poor. They stripped all his clothes off of him. They didn't have anything with him. Isn't that right? He became poor that you, through his poverty, at that moment in time when he was paying the price for our sins and died and went into hell and raised three, three days later raised from the dead, it says that him through his poverty, that you through his poverty rather, might be rich. Now rich here in the Greek means a full supply. So when we're walking around in want and need and lack and all that kind of stuff, you know, then that's not walking fully in our redemption and we're not walking fully in the abundance that's been provided. Let me say something to warn everybody here. Get your eyes off other people, what they do or don't do, and get your eyes off other people that you think is going to be your source. I've been in this 40 years, and, and everybody that was a big mouth did very little for me in 40 years' time, but proved it out. And people that never said nothing and just barely made it seem like just had an income and a salary, those people have blessed me out of my socks. You know, we had somebody that had some money, brought that one check, but that's just one time in 40 years people that have helped take care of me God's moved on them and sometimes they gave 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 or 5 or a dollar or whatever I've been thankful for whatever he's done for me but I'm showing you tonight how to realize because if you identify with the Jesus that traditionally is taught you feel you feel negative about having anything I guarantee you almost everybody in this room probably is a poorer receiver you're a better giver than you are a receiver think about that what if somebody what if somebody gave you a two hundred thousand dollar car what would you do if you want to sell it and bless the church that's fine but would you drive it or would you feel like i don't deserve this what if somebody gave you a fifteen thousand dollar car and said here's the title go right it's yours all you got to do is go sign it down at the dealership well I, I didn't work for it you're so you're so convinced that you can't have anything that you didn't earn that having the car is a bummer for you it's not about stuff, but it's about your insides and how you think about stuff like this. Right here it says that Jesus, just like he paid for my sins and your sins, just like he paid for all sickness and disease to be taken off of us, he paid, for our, he paid to get us out of poverty and lack and want and need. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right. So was he, let me ask you this, was he ever without what he needed personally or for his ministry? No. No. I mean, even, even the rich guy, Joseph, there, I think, gave him his tomb. That's pretty expensive. You know, they can just throw you in a hole and throw some dirt on you, but you've got a cave to get in with a big stone on the front. That's like these marble ma mausoleums they have at the fancy funeral homes. You know, they're not cheap. Probably easier to throw you in a hole and put some dirt on you. Just your body, you're not there anymore. It wouldn't matter, but still, just listen to what I'm teaching you tonight about Jesus so he was never without what he needed to take care of his business and do what he was called to do and in this context right here it's interesting to note go back up here to verse 1, 2 and 3 of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians moreover brethren we do, we do you to wit or witness of the ability of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. And they weren't just poverty, they were in deep poverty, abounded under the riches of their liberality, in other words, of their giving. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So he's writing this verse 9 where he tells them through his poverty you could become rich. He's writing this to a, speaking to a people in a church that was in deep poverty. 
sometimes traditions, traditions that we maybe have been taught or just by observation have put an image on the inside of us. We can't ever have nothing unless we work hard. Now, I'm not teaching don't work hard. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. But it's not about just me working hard or you working hard. I have a strong work ethic. My parents put that in me. I always have, even as a sinner. But I'm saying it's not about that. It's about believing God and what He's provided. I can't work hard enough to be healed just because I'm a good person. I have to believe that Jesus is my healer. And how do I do that? By faith. How did I get in Christ? By going to church? No, not necessarily. But by believing what was preached to me at church and acting on it. Got up out of my seat and walked forward and confessed, not my sins, I confessed Jesus as my Lord and that He died for me and come into my life. That's what I said following the preacher in that little simple prayer. It took about three minutes. And from there I was on my way of living in God. So we're talking about something here. Part of my ministry as a prophet of God is to root up. So we may get some stuff ripped out tonight out of your insides. It'll be all right. You'll, you'll recover. You know, Jesus said, whatever my heavenly Father did not plant in you, Matthew 15, 13, I'm not going to turn there. Matthew 15, 13 says, whatever my, the Father didn't plant in you, Jesus said, it'll be rooted out. Well, you need some things rooted out sometimes. You know, my parents are wonderful people. My dad's in heaven. My mom's still alive. She's 82, I think. But you know, she never got a revelation of what I'm teaching you. She's not about to receive it. No. She's stuck in her deal and she's going to die in that deal eventually and I love her and everything and I've tried to help her as best I know how but I'm just Michael her son I'm not Michael the man of God I'm not Michael the prophet I'm not Michael the pastor I mean she may tell somebody I'm a pastor because you know being a mom but that don't mean she believes anything I'm saying hallelujah catch up with me here I honor my mom. I love her. I, I, you know, I try to help her best I can, but some people aren't going to be changed. They're just set. Like Brother K uh, Hagen says, they're like cement, thoroughly mixed and set. If, you're not, if you won't be changed, then everything I'm going to say won't mean anything to you. You see, you're going to have to give your way out of some things. Jesus was not poor when he was in the earth. Let's go over here to Luke. We're starting down this journey right now. Luke chapter 9. I've got a lot to say and I'll get it in. I'm not going to spend a long time uh, on any one scripture unless the Lord speaks to me. But I want you to write these down and go back and study them in your own prayer time. Jesus was not poor when he was in the earth. Uh, his, I'll talk about more, more fully in a minute. But in Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1 through 5. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils, over all demons, and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, not try to, to do it. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. Now let me ask you a question. If these were all poor people, you don't have to tell poor people don't take anything with you. They don't have anything to take with them. You see the guy at the curb up there at Eastern Boulevard, we'll work for food. Out of bread, out of luck, out of money, please help. And all he's got is a little pile there and a little plastic bag from Kroger probably. I'm going to make this real tonight if I can. He doesn't have to call back home and sell his car unless he's conning and got a Mercedes around the corner. But if he's legit, he doesn't have anything to take. If you give him a dollar to go down to McDonald's and get him a fish sandwich or whatever, all he's got to do is pick up his little Kroger sack and that's all he's got and the clothes on his back. You don't have to tell poor people don't do this. How many are really listening? Okay, so if he said take nothing, don't take staves or scrip or bread or money, wouldn't it stand to reason they probably had all those things? And two coats apiece. They must not just had one coat. Oh, let me read on. He's teaching them how to live by faith. And whoever will not, and, and whatsoever house, verse 4, you enter into, there abide and thence depart. He sent them on a preaching campaign. And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust of your feet for a testimony 
against them. Now, we read that, and sometimes you can think that's the, that's the way it always was. They were to leave everything at home and do that by faith and not take anything with them. But that's just one statement. Remember I told you this morning, and I'm going to start repeating this, don't find some isolated scripture and camp there without comparing it with future events and future discussions that Jesus may have had with the same people about the same subject. You know, people get over there and ask, and silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and he grabbed the man by the right hand, his feet and ankle bones were strengthened, immediately he ran, jumped, ran through the church. And you people take that and preach that the apostles didn't have anything. That's a lie. They just didn't have anything on them right then. I've gotten out in the community a few times, forgot my wallet and forgot my money. And it wasn't that I didn't have any money or I couldn't have paid. I just forgot to bring what I needed to do, take care of something. Let's go with the same group of people, Luke 22. Let's go over here, same book even, Luke 22. Are you getting anything yet or are you still thinking? Luke 22, 35 and 36. Unless you find this if you're trying to read with me now. So you don't have to tell poor people to leave money, the money at home. They don't have any money to go, to take. All right, we're not against the poor, you know. You can start out poor, but God will make you rich. Uh, Luke 22, 35 and 36. And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, and, and shoes lacked you anything. And they said nothing. Even when he did send them out like that, I just read you about. Did you lack anything when you did it that way? No. But he says, Then he said unto them, But now. That would be right now, wouldn't it? But now he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his scrip, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. So he didn't just send them out without anything every time. He sent them out that one time without all that stuff. He was teaching them about faith. This time he said, go ahead and take some of your stuff with you. It'll be all right. I'm just talking to you here. Being sent out now to, to minister to the heathen world and so forth. That's what he's doing. And you have a purse to collect offerings, by the way, in that day. Now, let's go over to John chapter 4. Let me look at something here with you. John chapter 4. Here's a little interesting thing that I found one day in reading my Bible and found it out. It, you know, it says, uh, you know, Jesus uh, was out there with, I think, John the Baptist and stuff and and there, then verse 7 of chapter 4 of John, it says, There comes a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. And his disciples, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. What were they sent away to do? Wear a card around their neck? Please help Jesus and us, we're going under. <laughs> Jesus' evangelistic ministry, need help, please contribute a chicken. I'm trying to eradicate some foolish thinking we've had. They had money, and they had enough money to buy meat. Now, I don't know that it meant filet mignon, but it was some kind of uh, food and nourishment. And he just happened to be there at the well, and he got a drink from this woman. So even though they weren't out you know, buying a Coca-Cola, the lady was there to take care of his water need. And his other guys were out there to buy some physical food to bring back to buy it, not beg for it. You remember in the Old Testament, back in the Psalms, I'm old, I was once young, now I'm old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. See, I lived through those days in Otisco and some other places through my life where I went to the cabinet, cabinet and there was some peanut butter and popcorn, went to the refrigerator, there wasn't much of anything. Wife's pregnant, no insurance to, to pay for my new-to-come new baby. But I said, God, you called me here. You're going to take care of me. You're not a deadbeat get dad. I know that you're providing. I've been, I've been obedient to you, and I'm tither, and I'm an offering giver, and I trust you. And it, this happened more than once. All of a sudden, somebody show up at our door, knock on the door, a member of my church. And they said, we just happened to be in your neighborhood, and they, they live 10 miles away from me. And they said, we happen to be at JC, and you have to purposely go past me to get there. And we got two extra bags of groceries here. We just felt like you'd need it. See, God provided for me. And if that didn't come immediately, we just ate our little peanut butter sandwich and just happy as a couple lovebirds. 
That's why we love popcorn today. I may have a bowl tonight. Oh, better get back here. I'm showing you, they didn't run around with nothing in their pockets. They had money to buy meat. All right, I'm just, I'm just getting started good here. So we're, we're beginning to see something. These men that work for him, go to Matthew 10. Now keep up with me, Matthew 10. These men that work for him, uh, these 12 men, remember some of them were businessmen, not all of them. Some of them were fishermen, had a fishing business. May not sound like much to you, but you watch that shrimp boat or you watch the crab catchers out in the ocean. They, I saw one up in Alaska, and they were making like $20,000 a piece when they got back in shore. That doesn't sound like minor stuff to me. If you're out four or five times a year, that's 80000 100000 a year. That's everybody on the boat. Captain made more than that. They had a fishing business. Some of them were other types of jobs they had. and One was a tax collector. I'm back here in Matthew. Here's my point. I want to show you something here. He had at least 12 men uh, that were full-time people on his staff. How much do you think it costs to have 12 full-time people? I only have six, I think, besides myself. It costs quite a bit of money to take care of them, right? And Jesus told us, I'm, I'm in Matthew 10. I'm going to read it. Let me just go ahead and read it now while I'm here. Matthew 10. Verse 1, And he, he called unto him his twelve disciples and gave them power against unclean spirits or demons to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And verse 7 and 8, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons freely you have received, freely, freely give. So he is sending them out. Do you think he'd send them out and say, Fend for yourself. I'm not giving you a dime. We don't operate that way. Hallelujah. If I ask somebody that, you know, if I, you know, sometimes I pay for people to do certain things, you know, to travel with me, not all the time, but sometimes I do. I, I feel responsible sometimes to do things like, and Jesus said, if you don't take care of your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So he, is, he had a staff. He had 12 here. Another place said he had 70, so that's 82 plus himself. That's 83. And uh, I don't know when they were all full-timers or not, but I know these guys all left their occupations. If you follow up in chapter 1 of Mark, chapter 2, and look around the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they said, he said, come follow me. Yeah. Isn't that right? He said to one guy, you need to sell everything you have and come follow me and give your money to the poor. And he, he said he wouldn't do it because he had great possessions. Now, he's not telling you to sell everything you have, but there was the problem with this man. He said, I've kept the commandments from my youth up, and he had great possessions. Do you think Jesus kept the commandments from his youth up? Don't you think he had great possessions? Well, sure he did. That's what you have when you're obedient to the Word. Eventually, you have great possessions. But he's, the problem with this man, over in another account, the possessions had him. He didn't have them. They had him. God, Jesus is trying to get that broken off your life and give him a chance to come follow him in the ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trying to help you here. Let's go over here to, to the book of Acts a minute, Acts 28. You know, when men have power to heal and to deliver, don't you think people are appreciative? I bet they are. And you get your little daughter or your son delivered and you want to bless that man of God, that woman of God. Somebody gets you out of some kind of major incident that you're about to lose everything and almost get killed or whatever. You, you appreciate those. The people with common sense do. And if they have something, they want to bless. So they had power to heal and to deliver, not for the money, but to do it because they love people. But don't you think many of those people were reciprocal? You understand that word? They gave back to them something they had. Well, that little boy, he had a little, what did he have? A couple of loaves and two fish, something like that. And just a little boy's lunch. I bet he never dreamed his mom gave him that little sack lunch in the morning. He's going to come back with 12 men, each of them carrying a basket full of fish and bread. But you get around Jesus and you were willing to give him something, he multiplies all that. I think he said he fed 5,000. That's just the men, the women included, their children. They're just two kids of family. You're talking 15,000, 20,000 people. And that was only because they had money to go buy something. They didn't have anywhere to go. There was no 7-Elevens that day. 
But we've got to get this in our thinking straight. I'm in Acts 28. Look at this, verse 7. I'm showing you an example of what I just talked about. In the same quarters were possessors, possessions of the chief man of the island. This was the head of the island, this guy, whose name was Pupius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and out of a bloody flux, some kind of disease where he's coughing up blood. That's what Oral Roberts was happening when he, when he got saved and healed. That's what happened to Dr. Summerall, dying of lung tuberculosis, coughing up blood. God showed him in a vision, a casket, and on the other side a Bible, and he said, choose. He said, I'll take the Bible. God healed him said, to whom Paul entered in and prayed. Here's an example of being prayed for when you have somebody with power. And laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this one's done, others also in the, in the islands came that had diseases and came and they were healed who also honored us. What did we just find out about honors attached to what? Money. They honored us with many honors. Don't you think they, they laden them up with all the benefits that they had on that island? I was at a pastor's church one time preaching, and I mean, had a concrete floor, no carpet, eight kids. He gave me the offering. I wanted to give it back to him. God said, don't you dare give that back to him. This is his way out of this. Sent one of his kids, one of his boys down the street to get some chicken. Came back, cut that chicken up, and his wife fried it up in a pan and, and, and got a uh, coconut and chopped the end of it off right in front of me on the floor and gave me coconut milk. Not too thrilled about it, coconut milk, but nonetheless, he gave me the best he had. And his little group of poor little Mexican people in that little village, they gave me the best they had. Probably wasn't more than 30 bucks or 50 bucks. I don't even remember, but God said, don't you dare dishonor him by giving that back to him. Dale was with me. It was the very first time I was at that church. And there was 25, he was getting ready to quit the ministry. We went and preached. We paid our own way to get there to fly to Mexico, pay our own way for the hotel and whatever food we ate normally. But here was this pastor. He, 25 people came to the altar that night and gave their lives to Jesus Christ in one service. It changed that. I was back in his house 10 years ago. This was 25, 30 years ago. And he had marble floors, beautiful marble floors. See, we're talking about when people get touched like that, they want to bless you. And just coconut milk, it's the coconut capital of the world, Tecoman, Mexico. And that chicken was the best they had there. I don't know that he or his kids ate it, but he served me and Mike Rabel. And I wasn't about to choke on it. I went ahead and ate it and enjoyed it because I realized it came from a sincere heart of a man of God. He told us, and I cried and wept as he told us through the interpreter, through Mike. He said, I was going to quit the ministry, but after tonight I've been revived. Praise God. See, something, we got to get our thinking straight about money and how we handle it and what we, what we think about it. And there's always a tendency to want to give something back to somebody. If they bless you, you take that and you honor that and you, you keep that. And if you want to pass it on to somebody else, that's your business. But you honor the person that gave you that, even if you don't like it, even if you're never going to keep it. Yeah. Learn something about human manners and honor towards people that bless you with stuff. Hallelujah. I'm in Luke chapter 8. Let's go back here a minute. I'm talking to you about Jesus, talking to you about his ministry and adding in a few scriptures here and there. We know that Jesus traveled around. A lot of times the 12 were with him. And, of course, I travel around too. And we're doing a mission trip. How much is that mission trip costing us, Brother Sean? Per person? About $2,100. It's, let's say, two grand times how many people? Let's say 30, 20 times 30. How much is that, $60,000? See, it takes money to, you say, well, the gospel's free. Yeah, but it takes money to pump it, to get it somewhere. I don't charge anybody for me to go. I mean, some, some smart ones pay for me to come, but nonetheless, here's my point. I go because I love people, but it costs money to go. There's $60,000 coming out of this local church that, and we have needs here, but I did that because I hadn't taken the young people with me for a long time and they need to get on a mission field with me just to see what it's like. And I'm thrilled we're going. I'm not complaining, but it takes 60 grand. A little over that really, but we're just talking to you a minute. 
Now look here at Luke chapter 8. We're talking about Jesus now. And verse 1 says, And it came to pass afterwards that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village. How many of them? Every one of them preaching and showing or demonstrating the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. So what was he doing? Healing and delivering and preaching. And the twelve were with him. They were with him. So he wasn't going to uh, you know, be a big shot and not take care of his staff. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him, unto Jesus, of their substance. The uh, One translation says, they ministered unto him of their resources. They were grateful to be delivered. See, this is what I don't understand about humans today. They get delivered under your ministry and they just throw it off like, hey, no big deal. They don't even write a thank you. Well, isn't it God that did it? Yeah, God that did it, but he used me or used somebody else. At least have enough courtesy to be thankful. You think somebody was dying, came to church here and got healed and got delivered and confirmed it medically, would at least sent an offering, even if it's just five bucks. We, see, we're living in a different culture and our mindset is all messed up sometimes. With Not you, but just talking about people. Here I'm showing you there was a lot of people. How many? Many others. Doesn't tell us the amount. Many others. And they ministered unto him of their resources. Here was one lady. She was up at the governor's mansion, one of the stewards there. She probably made a pretty good salary. Don't you get, think the guy that takes care of President Obama does pretty good? I don't think he makes 10000 a year. I think he'd make a lot more than that. You can make that flipping hamburgers. Well, we're just talking to you here. And many others, not even listed here, many others. When he went through every city and village, did he have results? Do you think some of those people had enough common sense to take care of Jesus? Here's some money to go to the next place. Here's some food to go to the next place. Here's a new pair of sandals for you. Or here's this or here's that. Jesus wasn't poor. Jesus wasn't poor. I mean... There's a prophet lived in Jeffersonville. Just had a little old church over there in the 50s. Went, he went all over the world preaching. One man had a, that one lady, one man had a daughter. I don't know what was wrong with her. She was just totally messed up. I don't know, mentally, physically. And this man was extremely wealthy. And Brother Branham prayed for her, I'm told, and she became normal. And her daddy blessed that ministry with I don't know how much, how many millions of dollars. You go to their facility today, he hadn't even been here since 1960-something. He's not even, he's in heaven. And their facility over there would be compared to any place in America that has a nice facility. I've been there. How many know what I'm talking about? Somebody's paying for that. He's not here to preach and receive offerings. Oh, we got a lot to learn. We're talking here about some things. So there were many others. He had a donor base. And then sometimes he had advanced teams. Look at, we were over here a minute ago, Luke chapter 10. Maybe we're in Luke 9. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, look at this. After these things, Luke 10, 1, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Well, if he sent them, don't you think he paid the tab for them? He sent him somewhere to set up things, to get a place ready to preach, to maybe advertise in that city, maybe to, to have some preliminary preaching meetings or whatever. You know, when Benny Hinn or somebody like that comes to Louisville, you know they don't give him Freedom Hall? They don't let, give somebody at the Yum Center that's coming to preach, if that would be the case. They don't give them that just because they like preachers. Somebody's got to have the money. Helping you. These advanced teams went before him, set up things. They needed a food and motel and a lot of other things. Anybody listening? Secular history tells us that, uh, that a man would live with his father, this eldest son, until he was married. But when the father died, there was a double portion given to the firstborn son, and the house went to the eldest son. You remember that it says they came to him? We just celebrated it. We call it Christmas around here. Really the anointed mass when Jesus came. But anyway, nonetheless, it's called Christmas. And said, men from the east came. Didn't say how many. We make them up, three wise men. But I don't know how many there were. The Bible doesn't tell us. They were kings. 
Do you think a king would come to our president to have a meeting, an ambassador from some other country or uh, from Italy or something, and he brings a $15 toy? You know, no, he's going to bring something that's memorable. These presidents, after they've been in office for four years, they got a whole stockpile of stuff given to them by heads of state all over this planet. And it isn't cheap. So my point is that Jesus, I was studying out some information on this. They said that these kings brought their treasures and funded his ministry. And somebody's estimated it to be worth about $3 billion. The gold and the other stuff they brought to him. Joseph, who was his stepfather, didn't use Jesus' money. He wasn't an embezzler. You think God would have entrusted a stepfather like that? I don't think so. Joseph, Joseph was an established builder himself, a business owner himself. And Jesus had money even as a little boy and plenty of it. How do you think they went down to Egypt and got, and got took care of there for however long they were down there and then came back? See, you know, if Joseph used any of it, he used it to take care of this boy that had been funded even as a young child. See, when you're called to do something, whatever you're, not just preaching. Get off just preachers for a minute. How about you? What are you called to do? Called to be a doctor? Called to be a machinist? Called to be an opera singer? Called to be this? Called to be that? Whatever you're called to be. God will fund you. If you do it right. Here's another one. Did the disciples have money? Did they have any means? Let's go over to Matthew 19. You're still with me, aren't you? I'm trying to get through this here, and I'm, I, I want to let you go on time, but this is important. Matthew 19, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 16 here. I'm going to let you find that if you'd like to look at it with me. Matthew 19, 16. Did the disciples have money, and did they have any uh, means? And the answer, we're going to look at it here a little bit, but it says here in verse 16 of Matthew 19, it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, unto Jesus, Good master, what, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that's God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. You know, I was teaching you this morning on tithing. You know, that's something we ought to keep. Hallelujah. He saith unto him, which, which commandment? Jesus said, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness or lie. Honor your father and your mother, and thou shalt love the na your neighbor as yourself. And the young man, now notice he's just a young man. I'm talking to you young people particularly tonight. But everybody should listen. The young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? In other words, this young guy was rich and he said I've kept those things from my youth up and, and, and I've got blessings I've got great possessions what, what do I lack but see he was not reading into this what God was going to say to him yet and Jesus said to him verse 21 if you will be perfect or mature go and sell that you have and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me now notice this carefully but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. He got depressed, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? You'd think they would have said, That's right. You've got to give it all up. He ought to give it all up. But see, they're saying here, I don't understand this. Who then's going to be saved? In other words, they had some finances that they gave up. They had some material blessing they gave up to follow Jesus too. The eye of the needle's not, you think about a needle, sewing needle and wetting the thread and that type of deal. That's not what that's talking about. It was called an eye of a needle in the gate of the city. At night you could come through with your camel, but you're going to have to take all that stuff off the camel that's your stuff and set it, bring it through there yourself or have your helpers bring it through. Then the camel has to get down on its knees and get through there and then stand back up and load him back up. In other words, to get into the kingdom, you have to be willing to do what God tells you to do. You've got to unload some bad thinking. You've got to unload some bad mentality. You've got to unload some bad 
habits. You got to. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. Hallelujah. We already read a minute ago where he said, uh, "Don't Luke nine. I'm not going back there. Chapters nine, one through five. You don't have to tell poor people not to bring their money. They don't have any." Jesus trying to teach them to have faith in God and not their money in their pockets. You know, I would have never built this building if I didn't have faith. In fact, I didn't have the money to do it. I just started and found this land, and God spoke to me once I got on this land, said, this is your land. And then I said, okay, now what do I do? How do you want me to get this building up? You know, you could have, I could have went to a credit union, a bank. I could have tried to sold bonds. I, and you certainly didn't have the money, neither did I back then, to build this building debt-free. God showed me a bank in the city. I'd been by it before, but I didn't know anything about it. It was downtown New Albany at the time. I don't remember which bank it was. doesn't matter. God showed it to me in a vision. said, go call that bank. Go by there and get the name of that bank. Call that bank. Tell them you want to meet with the commercial loan division officer. So I called and told him who I was, going to meet with so-and-so, and he made an appointment, and I showed up. I'm sitting in his office by myself. He said, well, who are you? I said, well, my name's Michael Jacobs. I pastor Church on the Rock. Are you with the denomination? No. I didn't go into details about that, and I hadn't been in the ministry near that long. This was 93 when we started building this, 92 when we started building it, something like that. And he said, well, what do you have as collateral? And out of my mouth came these words, unbeknownst to me until that moment. I said, I can have $100,000 cash in 90 days. What? He said, really? I said, yes, sir. And then I thought, did I say that? <laughs> and if you remember, those who were with me back in the early 90s, I came back to the church, and I said, you can help me. We need $100,000 in 90 days. I didn't beat you up. I didn't try to twist your arm. I, didn't, I just said, you do what you need to do, and you bring your money. We're going to have special offering, and we're going to meet this need. You know the whole 100 came in? I didn't have 1,000 saved back then. It's not that I was a bad user of money. I just didn't have it. I took a step of faith, and God led me. And I could tell you story after story after story after story about things like that in my life not just with this building or not just with this church, just my life. Jesus wants us to have faith in Him to put us over. He wants us to realize that Jesus didn't just barely get by. Let's, let's move on here for just a minute here. Uh, let's go to John chapter 19. John's Gospel chapter 19. You learned anything tonight? We're beginning to see that Jesus was a good businessman. And he was a, a great head of the church, of course. And he was, he's just everything's great about him. He just knew how to take care of everything. Here in uh, chapter 19 of John, uh, chapter 19 of John, verse 23 and 24, it says, And the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart. They ripped his, uh, his uh, other garments up. And also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, let us just tear it up, but cast lots for it. They're going to gamble for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my, my raiment or my outer clothing among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now, doing some research historically, I found out this was the most expensive piece of clothing you could wear in that day. You know, I'm not, I'm not a clothesline preacher. I love you if you come here, I love you. If you come in blue jeans, you come in flip-flops, you know, whatever. I'm going to try to love you and minister to you. But all of us need to have some dignity about ourselves and be properly clothed, whatever we wear. You should wear your best because he's your best. But here's what I want to point out to you. Jesus wore designer clothes. It says here from the historical understanding of this that kings and rich merchants wore this kind of garments and those people alone. Sometimes I think we think Jesus came into town like Fidel Castro. Anybody know? The younger people know who he is. He always wears an army uniform, a green army uniform with big boots and a goofy-looking hat. 
I don't even know if he's, did he go home yet? He's an old man, but he was, you know, head of a country, but he always looked like a military guy. We just need to think different about stuff. If you don't want to wear nice clothes, that's, that's something else. But I'm just saying to you, you should never be embarrassed that you have something nice or somebody gives you something nice. Are you believe for something that's going to be a blessing? You know, part of the reason Pastor Diane and I had this banquet for the people is we wanted to treat the young people to an evening out, have a nice sit-down dinner where people could be taken care of with some elegance. Thank you so much for that. I got one nodding and a couple, yeah. But, you know... And things like that to say we love you and pastor and I decided we'd pay for the steak ourselves. you know it's not a big deal 300 and some dollars that's no big deal for us but nonetheless we wanted to be a part of offering something into their life but the main thing was we saw them come and give respect to us and respect to God and have that covenant ceremony I could barely hold it back I wanted to start bawling up here when people were signing that just such a lovely evening and see, if we don't teach our kids to, to, to think different, people think so low in their heads, so casual. You know, just low, you know, and we're not saying if you come with the best you have, then you come with the best you got. Hey, praise God. I'm not criticizing anybody. You haven't heard me get up and rebuke somebody. And I've seen some people that needed, needed a rebuke, wearing skin-tight pants, men, and ladies with a lot of cleavage showing and way too short of a skirt. All kinds of stuff I could tell you about. And I let it go for a season if I could because I wanted to get some word in them. I didn't want them to feel like I was critiquing them because they got their chest hanging out. But that's because their parents don't teach them how to dress. And like my daughter once thought, what you show, your share. Praise God. Anybody listening to me? All right. Now, so he had nice clothes. And we're not telling you if you don't have, whatever clothes you have, it's just the best you have, then wear it with dignity. I'm not down on you. You know, and when I went to church as a kid, occasionally my mom bought me a tie and a shirt, and I, I hated it. <laughs> just talking to you straight. But see, I realized, see, I was much more casual. You know, I was a drug addict. See, I think you just think I went sitting around shooting dope. I sat around shooting dope and doing everything else low life because that's what I had become. I'm not dressing up for nobody. You got it? If I went to a wedding, I went in blue jeans, combat boots. Because that's how I felt about everybody. Tell me what to do. But I fell in love with Jesus and I found out He likes you to give Him his, your best and I started with one corduroy suit, and that's it. Wasn't like I had a closet full of anything. And I was just glad to be the pastor and glad to go to church and wear the same suit service after. Aren't you glad to, I have a little bit of variables here? <laughs> Get tired of looking at me at one color suit all the time. It's not about those things, but I'm trying to share with you, you don't have to look a certain way per se, but let's understand that Jesus, he dressed up. When he came through town with a garment like that, they, they knew he was not poor. See, I don't think we see that yet. I still think we we're, we're need to catch it up a little bit about our thinking. I'm just about ready to close. Give me a few more minutes. Uh, in Luke, let's go back to Luke 9, 12 and 13 a minute. You still here? I'm not a clothesline preacher. I'm not a, I, don't, I don't get up here and preach normally messages on clothing. I'm just trying to say that's just one of many things that indicated Jesus had some wherewithal and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't uh, ashamed to do that. I think you get to heaven, he's got this big gold, you know, you got a little gold ring on, some of you. And, you know, he's got this gold thing around his chest. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm in, uh, let's see, where am I at? Uh, let me see here. Chapter 9 of Luke in verse, uh, 
11 and 12. And the people, when they knew it, they followed him, and he received them, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, and healed them that had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve, and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about, and lodge, and get uh, food, for we are here in a desert place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we go and buy meat for all this people. For there was about 5,000. See, they had money to go buy, but they didn't have a place to go buy at. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to show you. Anybody here tonight want to take us to a nice restaurant and take care of that tonight? There's probably about 80 people in here. I don't see any hands going up. No, I'm just trying to show you something here. Jesus had enough in the treasury to feed all these people. He just didn't have a place to go buy it. I just told you I spent $350 on your kids and my kids. These are my kids too. I consider them my kids. Not their biological father, but a spiritual father that loves them. I thought I'd buy them a steak instead of just give them a hamburger from McDonald's in a wrapper. Put it on a nice plate with a wrapper, a yellow wrapper and some biggie fries or something. No, I'm trying to scale it up a little bit. No, we're not trying... Listen, listen carefully. We're not trying to put on anything for anybody. I was in a meeting my wife was doing just three or four weeks ago in, De in December in, over by St. Louis. A guy came forward. He's a drug addict. He looked like a drug addict. Tattoos out the wazoo. Everywhere on him, tattoos, studs, pins, all kinds of paraphernalia on his head. I didn't say, go take all that out before I pray for you. I said, you remind me of me 40 years ago, son. I'm gonna, you're going to get delivered. I'm going to pray for you. Man, did he get delivered. I didn't judge him on his clothing or his tattoos or his studs or his pins or whatever that paraphernalia that people wear all over their face. They look like a monster almost. Yeah, that's what I said. The Bible teaches against that kind of activity. But he doesn't understand that yet. I'm not going to preach to him about his old blue jeans and his tacky-looking tattoos. I'm interested in getting the man delivered because I'm the real deal. But once he does get delivered and gets in a good church, hopefully he'll throw all that paraphernalia away and maybe he has to leave the tattoos. I don't know about all that, but and live for God. How many are catching on? See, if you can't see Jesus but in a poor mode, and you're following him, guess where you're at? In a poor mode. A lot of times your parents are stuck in a rut. I don't know, some of them are only 30 and 35, and they're going to stay there until they die, maybe, if they don't get a hold of the word. And even the word won't change them if they won't adhere to it. The word only changes people that the people allow the word to change. I'm not teaching you. You're just going to drive in next month. Everybody has a brand new Cadillac and everybody's going to live in the fanciest house. That's not what I'm preaching here. But I want, we're talking about finances and if I'm following Jesus and he's just a poor old bum that can barely get by, then let's all sell everything we have and be poor old bums and just barely get by. If you're going to follow him. Somebody's, you know, smart. Why don't you sell that big car and give it to missions? I've already given 35 times that to missions in my life. Why don't you sell your beat-up old car and give it to missions if you're so committed to it? Be fair about it here. See, see, we got it. we're thinking different, aren't we? We should be. No, I'm not about a car and a different thing. I'm about honoring my God. And I never have ever said to anybody in 40 years, look how smart I am, look how spiritual I am. Boy, you know, I'm just really something. I've always said Jesus gave me everything I got and he did it and I bless him and praise him with it and I thank him. And like I told you this morning, my wife and I put it all up on the table. Anything that we own, Father, it's yours, not just the tithe, the other 90. And we'll do what you tell us to do. You tell us to do something with anything we own, it's yours. We're just stewards anyway. Hallelujah. Now, in closing, one more thought here. Back over in John. Uh, let me see if I got this right. That looks funny for some reason here. Let's go back to John chapter 1. I'm about to close. Uh, you know, uh, well, there's two passages here. Let's, let, let's go to 
be ready to go to John 1 in just a minute, but let's, uh, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 9 again. There's a different passage here I want to look at before I go to John. Luke chapter 9. We about wore chapter 9 out tonight. <laughs> Not really. 51. Uh, that doesn't sound right to me. I must have the wrong reference here. Luke chapter 9. No, I'm okay here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, okay. <clears throat> chapter 9, verse 51 and following. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. In other words, gonna, he's going to go to the cross. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. He wasn't going to stop and minister and preach to them right then. He on his way to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven? My goodness. Quick-tempered boys, aren't they? And consume them even as Elijah did. And he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not manner, what manner of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village, and it came to pass that as they went in the way... In the way a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, let me read on here. And he said to him, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, you know, it's interesting here. It says... Uh, son of man hath not where to lay his head he just meant that night he's on his way on foot to a city and he's, there's, he's not, not the motel thing like there is here today you know motels are out everywhere you go anymore almost you can go in some little podunk junction and find a bed and breakfast see people say well you know he doesn't have nowhere to lay his head let me tell you he laid it somewhere every night and I'm going to show you this in closing. He had a house. I don't know if you knew that or not. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, starting in verse 35, Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them and said unto them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher or master, uh, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, where his house was, where he, his abode was. And they abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So he had a house, and he had a big enough house for them to stay with him. He wasn't staying in a pup tent. I'm just trying to talk to you here a minute. Sometimes we get embarrassed because God's blessed us with something, but... You know, he had, he had clothes to wear, and he had decent clothes. He had really nice clothes. and He had finances, and he had a house to live in. And He didn't stay there a lot. He's probably out ministering like we've read. He's over in this village and city, and then I must preach the gospel other places also, and he's out on the move. Got a field ministry. He might be home on the Sabbath because he was accustomed to reading the Word down at the synagogue there. Isn't that right? Yeah. Down there in Nazareth, I guess. But when the anointing came on him, he sent out more to, at least he says at the first, he was sent out to the Jews only. But we're sent to a worldwide ministry. Don't you think that would require a little more money? I don't think he ever got out of uh, Israel, did he? No. Just a local man. But after he resurrected, he said, Now you go into all the world, every distant, far place, every nationality of people, and you take this gospel and you preach it. And it takes money to get there. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, maybe they went by ship. Now we go by jets. Tomorrow we might go by some other kind. Of, they're making a plane now. I'm told to go straight up through the atmosphere and the earth turns under it. Then it comes back down. Well, it sure cut that time to Europe short. Hallelujah. See, we're, we're thinking different. Are you thinking different? Jesus was not poor. 
He's the head and we're the body and we're following Him. How much more? And what should we remember on everything Pastor Jacobs teaches around here? That we have a better covenant on better promises. Not teaching to get Rick's quit scheme. I'm not teaching, that'd be like me teaching you to go to the boat and see if you can, 7-Eleven, come 7-Eleven, honey bell. No, we're not gambling, we're, we're tithing. We're holy people. We're connected to a holy God. Our tithe is holy to the Lord. It's an honor to give. To, and that's the way I've done it all these years. Just kept giving. Giving to God. And then God would say, I want you to help this missionary. I want you to do that. I want you to send this. I want you to give them a suit. I want you to buy them a tie. I want you to buy some shoes for this guy. I want you to buy a car for this pastor. I want... And we've just obeyed all these years and did what he... And he's just continually... Not I didn't do it to get something. I did it to obey. But... The repercussions came which have been good. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.